Um, well, hey, we're going to jump in because we are beginning a brand new series tonight called Design, a heavenly concept. This is the idea of the series. And we're going to be making our way through the book of Colossians. So you can open up your Bible to Colossians, or if you've forgotten, if you go to the Bible app and click Events, and then you, uh, you, you allow your location, and then you click on, you'll see the Factory Youth right there. And uh, you can follow along in the Bible as well as the notes there too. So that's really cool. Um, Brianna posted on, sorry, I'm going to shout you out, on her Snapchat today that um, if you can't make it to youth, that uh, to, you could join in the Bible reading anyways, which is true. So if you, if you can't make it to youth on Thursday nights, it's up all day long on Thursday, um, and you can look at the notes, and you can, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And you can get there, and so you can even follow along if you can't be there, which is super cool. Um, but we are beginning a series through the book of Colossians. Now, the idea of this series is this. Your life was designed in God before the foundations of the world. And you, your life is nothing short of a miracle. And this series, we are discovering the depth of the creativity of your life that was conceived in heaven itself. We are going to discover the depth of the creativity that is your life. That, that it's no accident, but it's a miracle. It's like the, the chances of you existing are like one in more than a billion. It's like an astronomical number. Just the very fact that you are here today is a miracle. But not just the fact that you're here, but the life that God intended for you to live is a miracle. And so what we're doing in this series as we, as we go through the book of Colossians is we're trying to learn and discover and unpack what that miracle is supposed to look like. What is our life designed in God, created for God, with a purpose to walk with God and have relationship with him? How do we unpack and how do we discover that purpose together? And so we're going to be making our way through the book of Colossians. Now, this book gives us great insight into the design by God for your life, for your calling, for the ministry that God has for you, for the purpose, and the, just the walking with him that God has for you. And so our goal for this series is to better understand who God made us so we can live life to the full. Better understand who God made us so we can live the life to the full that God intended for us to live. Now, things to know as we get into the book of Colossians. Um, number one, the letter was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote about 28% of the Bible. He wrote a lot of it. Um, and we know it was written by him because look at verse one. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So he introduces himself. He's like, hey, I'm writing this thing. It's Paul, it's me. I'm an apostle. Me and my boy Timothy and we're writing to the church in Colossae. Now, like I said, like Paul said, we are writing to a church in Colossae. It says that in verse 2. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, a couple things to know about Colossae or the people of Colossae or the Colossians, as it's called. Um, it's a tiny town. Most people um, suggest that this was probably the smallest town that received a biblical letter. So it'd be like, uh, it would be smaller than Vero Beach. But imagine of all the cities on the planet, Vero Beach gets a letter that is ultimately in the Bible. We'd be like, that's my town. Like, I'm from there. Like, it's not Zero Beach, it's Vero Beach. And, it's, and we got a book in the Bible. Like, it would be a really big deal, you know what I'm saying? And so the church of Colossae, it's a tiny, tiny town, and yet they get this letter that is going to be stamped in the pages of Scripture forever. 
Because the reason for it is because the message that Paul writes to the church in Colossae is so important that us 2,000 years later need to understand the, the writings of this letter. We need to understand the depth of the creativity that is your life, who God made you to be and why. Now we also need to know that Paul is probably writing this letter from prison, which Paul actually wrote a lot of his letters from prison. We know that Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all are written from prison. Now it's interesting because Paul was kind of like a, a go-getter. He was the kind of guy that didn't like to be in one place for very long. He liked to start churches. He liked to see revival, and then he liked to be on to the next. He, he never got too comfortable, not, never got too settled. But God actually allowed the difficulty in his life, like getting thrown in prison, to cause him to slow down and write things down. And if Paul never got thrown in prison, some could argue that these letters would never be written. So the difficulty that Paul, like, why am I in prison, actually became a very important tool in the hands of God and in his own life to get us these letters today. And it carries extra power for us to understand that this book is written from prison. Now, prison then is not like prison now. I'm not saying prison is good. Don't go to there, right? Don't go to prison. It's not good. But, like, there's probably a TV there, you know, there's probably air conditioning. Like, you'll probably eat three times a day. Like, back in the day, it was like a hole in the ground that they would throw you in. It's like a dungeon. They'd be like, here you go. And in fact, Paul, most of the time, was chained to a guard. So imagine Paul's trying to write his letter, and every time the guard had to scratch his nose, his arm, like, it's like <sighs> trying to write his letter. And, and this is how he lived his life. And yet, God used it in a great way to get us these books. So it carries extra power. Now, he is writing to encourage and to correct and to direct the church of Colossae. All three things that we need. We need encouragement, we need correction at times, and we need direction. So that's kind of what we're going to make our way into tonight. I've titled this message, A Plan Made in Heaven. A Plan Made in Heaven. We're going to begin in verse 3, because we already read verse 1 and 2. It says this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved uh, fellow servant, he is faithful. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Okay, pause real quick, just so we can understand. Paul's saying, hey, I've heard about you guys. Now, it's interesting to know, Paul actually never went to the town of Colossae. Paul never went there. This guy, Epaphras, that's mentioned, he was the guy that probably got saved or was a part of Paul's ministry and then took the gospel to this tiny town of Colossae, preached the gospel, and when they heard it, when they heard the message of Jesus Christ, the hope that they could have in him, they placed faith in him. And now word has gotten back to Paul of their faith and of their love and of their hope, and so he's writing this letter to them. And so he's saying, hey, my boy Epaphras, who you know, I just want to shout him out. But also, I want to let you know that I've heard about you. I've heard about what God's doing in your life and through your life. And then he goes on, verse 9, he says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So he says, we heard about you, and now we're praying for you. And then he's going to tell us what he's praying. He says, asking 
that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So Paul, he opens with an introduction. He explains how he knows them and then he tells them he's been praying for them. And in the prayer, we see a glimpse into the desire and design God has for their growth, their life, and God's will for their life. We see a glimpse into their growth, their life, and God's will for their life. Now, the will of God and the plans of God are much less elusive as we often think of them. So we talk about, and if you've been in church for a while, or maybe you're you're new to this whole thing, but you have posed the question, what is God's will for my life? In other words, what am I here to do? Like, my life is not an accident. I'm here for some reason, and it's got to be more than getting good grades at school. You know what I mean? Like, we, it's like, okay, another year I was like, A, B, honor roll. I mean, that's a good thing. Keep it up. Get A, B, honor roll. Get a, straight A's for all I care. Like, go for it. But sometimes we, like, go through those mundane routines, and we're like, is this it? Is this all I exist to do? And let me tell you that the will of God is much less elusive than we often think. In fact, the general will of God is plainly laid out for us in the Bible. Now, listen, this is the whole message in a sentence, okay? God's specific will for our lives is found when we are living in his general will. God's specific will for your life. In other words, not just the will of God for Christians' lives, But the will of God for your life is found when we are living in his general will. It's like, imagine I told you that, hey, tomorrow at 12 p.m., I want you to meet me at the mall. And that's all I said. Now, if you got to the mall at 12 p.m., chances are you could probably find where I was. Like, our mall is not very big. You know, most of the stores are closed. Like, there's just a few places that Nate could be. It's 12 o'clock. He's got to be around here somewhere. But let me tell you, if you went to the beach at 3 p.m., you wouldn't find me. Like if I said, hey, meet me at the mall at 12 p.m., and you went to the beach at 3, you definitely wouldn't find me. You would have to get into the general location to find me at a specific location, right? And so when it comes to the will of God, God's plan for your life, in order to discover his specific will for your life, You have to live in his general will for your life. And if we live in that general will, we will find that specific will. So, question, what is God's general will? What's his general will that we can start living in that so that we can make sure that we're living in his specific will? Following me? Okay, four things that Paul tells us. Number one, you got to know him. You got to know God. In order to live in his specific will and his general will, you need to know God. Paul prays that they would know his will through spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
But this comes after he mentions the fact that they are in relationship with Jesus. Notice it says that they heard about Jesus through a friend named Epaphras. They placed faith in Jesus after they heard about him, and now they're walking with him. Right? He says, you, you, you heard about Jesus because of Epaphras. You placed faith in Jesus because of that message, and now you're walking with him. And then Paul notes three signs that they're walking with God. Three signs that you're walking with God. You ready for them? He says, hey, this is how I know that you're walking with God. It's because you have faith, you have love, and you have hope. You have faith, number one, in God. The idea of faith in God means you trust in God. Meaning above all else, even when circumstances don't make sense of it, you believe that God has your best intentions in mind. We're often quick to blame God, uh, get upset at God, doubt God. But when we have faith in God, that means we trust that God has our best intentions in mind. He says, secondly, you have love, not just general love, but he says love for the saints. He says, I know that you're walking with God because you have faith, but also you have love for one another. One of the signs that you're walking in relationship with God is you love his people and you love all people. In fact, that is like a big deal for God. John 3, 16, a big verse, for God so loved the what? The world, that's the whole world. That's Christians and non-Christians. That's atheists, that's agnostics, that's people that are mad at God. There's people that, that, that disagree with God. God loves the whole world. And one of the signs that you're walking with God is you have a heart and a love for people. And he says, thirdly, I know that you're walking with God because you have faith, you have love, and also you have hope. You have hope. In other words, you have an assurance. You recognize that your life doesn't end in the temporary, that your life goes beyond this moment, that you are not living for the day. You are actually living for tomorrow in the sense of eternity. And he says, I know that you know him because you have faith, you have love, and you have hope. One of the ways you can know that you're walking in the will of God is by saying, do I have faith? Do I trust God? Do I believe in God? Do I have love? Am I growing in love? I'm not perfect. I get mad at people. I, I snap sometimes. I lose it. But I, I, I'm growing in love. And I have hope. I have an expectation that my life doesn't, isn't wrapped up in the temporary, but it actually moves on to the eternal. So he says we need to have, we need to know him. Secondly, he tells us to be in the general will of God, we need to walk worthy. Walk worthy. Look at there at verse 10. He says this. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In other words, ready? He's saying you need to represent Christ well. Something happens when you place faith in Jesus. Something happens that all of a sudden you go from, and in fact, he, he says it there in, let's look at verse, the last verse, verse 4. 13, not the last verse. It says, he delivered us from the domain of darkness. You could say you were on team darkness. And he says, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. There was a trade that happened. There was, a tra there was this exchanging that happened and you went from team darkness and now you're on team Jesus is basically what he's saying. If you guys follow NBA at all, you know that there was a huge trade that just went down. James Harden from the Rockets, and all of these weird trades happened. He went to the Brooklyn Nets. And now there's going to be the, an egotistical nightmare happening in Brooklyn, and they'll probably implode on themselves. But that's besides the point. 
There was a trade. You guys disagree? You agree? We'll see. Time will tell. You don't know. You don't care. Who am I talking about? Anyways, the Bible. There was a trade that happened, right? And he says, you were at one point on Team Darkness, and now you've been traded to Team Light or Team Christ. I mean, I'll take it. Who started that clap? Shane? You guys? So he says, he says, you need to now walk worthy. Hey, listen, and the idea of walking worthy is that you have to represent that team well. That when you got traded, you put on their jersey, and now you have to represent that jersey. Your life, when you have placed faith in Jesus Christ, you are no longer just living for yourself and representing you. You represent Jesus. And so everywhere you go, you are an ambassador, the Bible says, or a representative or a team member of Jesus, and you have to represent him well. The question is, how are we representing him? In other words, when people look at your life, they should see that you're a follower of Jesus. They should, there, there should be an association there. Like, man, that person, they must follow God. Or maybe you've claimed, like, oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. And your life now has to match what you've claimed. Sometimes those things don't add up for us. Sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then we watch your life, and you're like, is that what Christians are supposed to look like? Ugh. What Bible are they reading? I'm very confused, right? And so we need to understand that we represent Christ. Now, how do we, he tells us we, our goal is to fully please him, fully please him. So how do we fully please God? Does that mean we have to be perfect? We have to be a perfect representation of Christ all the time? I would say probably not because none of us can do that. We fully please him, listen, by fully walking with him. We fully please him by fully walking with him. What I mean by that is we don't halfway walk with Christ. Too many people, young people especially, but I would say all people especially, are really good at walking with God some days and then not walking with God other days. Like Thursday night, it's all about Jesus, man. Friday night, that's a different story. Right, like, like Sunday morning, come on, that's me and God time. Saturday night, I don't know about that. Math class at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday, I don't know about that. And sometimes we don't fully walk with God. If you want to fully please God, you have to fully walk with God. In other words, you're all in. When you got traded from darkness to light, that is now the team you play for. And we have to be all in with that. So you need to know him. You need to walk worthy. Thirdly, you need to be fruitful. That's a fun word. When was the last time you were told to be fruitful? Probably the last time you were at church, honestly. Um, Look at verse 10, though. It's the second half of verse 10. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The idea of being fruitful is to show evidence in your life of relationship with God and growth. It is to show evidence in your life of relationship with God and growth. And he tells us two ways that we can do that. Number one, he says, do good works. You want to be fruitful? Do good works. 
be a decent person. Be a nice person. Be a kind person. Be a compassionate person. Be a go-out-of-your-way kind of person. Be a, no, you don't have to pay for gas today. That's cool. Be a, no, I got lunch today. That's cool. Be a, no, I'll sit up and listen with you. I, I, I know it's late, but I know you're having a hard time. I'll listen. Be a, hey, man, that person's sitting by themselves. I'm going to go talk with them. Be a person that listens to your parents. Ugh. Be a person that does what your teacher asked you to do. Like, the do good works is what it says. And evidence of life in relationship with God is means you are, you are getting better. You're growing, you're maturing, you're changing. Do things that are good. But then also, he says, be fruitful in doing good works, but also by increasing in the knowledge of God. You become fruitful in your life the more you understand who God is. The better you understand who he is and what he's like and his character and his heart and what he's all about, you begin to be fruitful in your life. And we do that through church, through the Bible, through Christian friends, through prayer, through worship, through godly conversations. All of these are ways that we can increase in the knowledge of God. Because what happens is, is, is although it's not supposed to stay just in our head, but if you have understanding of God in your head, it'll eventually lead to your heart. And so you, you want to know who God is. You want to ask questions that will allow for you to understand what is God all about and what is he doing right here, right now. Be fruitful. All right, final thing. You guys still with me? We want to be thankful. You want to know God's general will for your life. And if you do the general will, it will lead you to the specific will. You, will need, to, you need to know him, have relationship with him. Faith, love, hope. You need to walk with him. You need to walk worthy of the calling. That means all in, all the time, fully pleasing him. We need to be fruitful. We need to do things that, that are evidence that God is working in our lives. And we need to increase in the knowledge of who God is. But we also need to be thankful. Look there at verse 12. He says this. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Live a life of gratitude. Too many people, especially in our day and age, live thinking that the world owes them something. That I, I deserve this, I deserve that, I should be famous, or I should be wealthy, or I should be popular, or I should have more, or I should have this. And, and so many people live thinking that the world owes them. Listen, the follower of Jesus recognizes that everything we have is a gift from God. That the life that we have, the breath in our lungs, the opportunities we receive are a gift from God. God is in them. God is for us. And we need to live a life of gratitude. God, thank you so much for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for what you haven't done in my life. And God's will for your life is to live a life of humble gratitude. And listen, this happens by being connected and dependent on him as our power source. Look at verse 11. He says this, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. All of this happens. The, the ability to know him, the ability to walk worthy of him, the ability to be fruitful, the ability to be grateful. All of these things happen when we're strengthened with the power of his glorious might. When we have God leading the way in our life, we're following him, we will find 
his general will, but we will also find his specific will. Let me tell you, God has a will for your life, a perfect plan for your life. The way you find it is by walking in his general will. Hey, these are sort of the the generic things that God says for you. Know him, walk with him, be fruitful, be thankful. And as you do those things, all of a sudden you'll find yourself in the right place to receive all that God has for you. Worship team, you guys can come up here. God's specific will for your life is discovered by living in his general will. About two years ago, um, uh, a group of us from our church went on a mission trip to England. And then afterwards, me and my wife Hannah and my brother James and his wife Noemi stayed an extra few days in London. And uh, London was pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. There was great coffee. Um, there was good, really good food, actually. I almost said good, like pretty good. It was really good. Um, we had this Indian food place that was insane. Um, besides the point, I'm just letting you know. Though They drove on the wrong side of the road, though. You know that, right? Like we drive on, they drive on the left. We drive on the right. They drive on the wrong. We drive on the right. You see what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, come on, give me a break. Um, so anyways, we, we, we were in London, and we were doing this vacation thing, and Hannah, my wife, and uh, Noemi, my brother James' wife, are great at figuring out plans for us to do. Like, they're like, these are all the spots we need to get to. Like, there's this coffee shop, there's this, like, walkthrough, there's this, like, mall thing, I don't know. There's, like, we need to go here, all of these things, like, we have to do. So they would, at night, they would come up with these epic itineraries for us to do the next day. Now, my brother James was somehow a genius when it came to getting around London. He figured out how to navigate the the buses. He figured out how to navigate the walking. He figured out how to navigate the tube, which is like their way of calling the subway or, I don't know, there's also the metro, wherever you're from, Um, the tube in London. Like you walk underground and there's this train going super fast. And to me, let me tell you, I am always lost. Like, I get lost. I'm not even joking. I get lost in my neighborhood. Like, Hannah's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm trying to get home. She's like, this is not the direction of home. Um, And so I get lost all the time. I'm no good at that. But the awesome thing about this trip is that Hannah and Noemi came up with the plan, and then James got us to where we were going. All I had to do was wake up each morning, connect with James, and follow him. Like, literally all I did was wake up and be like, okay, where are we going today? And James is like, Follow me. And then it was sick. Like, he was so good at it. He was even going like, well, if we take this way, um, this way's faster. This way's a little bit slower, but we'll be able to see more of the city. So let's take this way. I'm like, how do you know this? Like, you've never been here before. He's like, I think if we go this way, it'll be the more scenic route. And he was right every time. And so all I had to do was wake up, connect with James, and he would get me to where I wanted to go. Can I tell you that walking with God is a lot like that? You wake up. You connect with God, you follow his lead. You wake up, you connect with God, you follow his lead. So let me, let me get real practical. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, connect with God. However that looks for you, open up the Bible app, read a verse. Get in your car, turn on worship songs. Wake up, pray to God. Connect with God and then follow his lead. 
and watch as you follow his lead into his general will for your life. Watch him begin to open doors into the specific will that he has for your life. God has a career for you. God has a marriage for you. God has a plan for you. God has a future for you. And so if you wake up and you connect with him and you follow his lead, he will lead you exactly where he wants you to be. And let me tell you, you won't be disappointed. Now, sometimes God takes you on the scenic route. Sometimes, like you're like, I feel like that way would be quicker, and yet God's taking you on the scenic route. But listen, he's trying to teach you something and show you something. And so if we trust in God and walk with God for his general will, we will find his specific will.